everybody. Mac Rosenberg welcoming you to our one-on-one post-game report. I'll be along with all the highlights in a couple of minutes. 52-7. to The final score, Fordham is 4-0 for the first time since 2007. We are waiting on Coach Moorhead. Kelly Coltis is going to be with us shortly with Coach. Um, and how about this one, folks? Fordham had just a 10-0 lead at half, and they score 42 points. In the second half, nearly pitched a shutout here. Would have been their first shutout uh, since uh, the first game last year against Lockhaven when they scored 55. Lockhaven obviously scored nothing. And we are ready now to go back out to Jack Coffee Field. We join Kelly Coltis with Coach Moorhead. Kelly. Okay, uh, Coach Moorhead, congratulations, first of all, on the victory. How does it feel to bring home the Liberty Cup for another year in front of your fans here today? I'm not sure if it was a sellout or not, but, uh, you know, our students, our fans, they gave us great, tremendous support throughout the game. And, uh, you know, it feels great to keep the cup at home, and that's one of our season goals. And, uh, you know, it's great to have it, have it on Rose Hill again. Okay, now, Coach, what a difference between halftime, you know, leading 10 nothing to the final score, 52-7. What changed for you at half? I think we were more opportunistic with our opportunities on offense. You know, in the offense, you know, in the first half, we had whatever it was, 300-some yards and only 10 points. And we turned the ball over and didn't take advantage of those opportunities. The second half, I thought we, we converted when we had opportunities to uh, you know, score touchdowns in the red zone. Still had way too many turnovers. That'll get us beat. But, uh, you know, it was much better offensively in the second half. And then speaking of that offense, what can you say about Michael Niebrick and the rest of his offensive performance in the second half, especially in the third quarter? He's to hold on to the ball, number one. But outside of that, uh, Michael and all the other guys are continuing to do what we asked them to do offensively, create explosive plays, move the ball, put points on the board, and, you know, my only critique today would be, you know, we got to not turn it over. And now on the other side of the ball with the defense, being able to keep Columbia almost scoreless the entire game until the end of the fourth quarter. How were they able to do that today? Uh, Coach Black on the staff put together an excellent game plan. Uh, and and the, the two keys of the game, we wanted to be able to stop the run because Garrett's a tremendous player. And uh, we wanted to make the uh, quarterback Nottingham uncomfortable in the pocket. And I think we got a lot of pressure on him. He wasn't able to settle his feet and throw the ball. So uh, yeah, I think being able to stop, you know, stop the run, uh, you know, put pressure on the passer and then get off the field on third down. I thought that was a key plus get turnovers. And finally, Coach, what does it mean for you and this team to start your year, you know, undefeated 4-0 here today? Well, we were, we we said we wanted to focus and have singleness of purpose today. And our, our purpose was to keep the cup, to be 1-0 this week, to get to 4-0 and to stay ranked. And uh, clear the fourth, fourth hurdle without looking at the first three or not looking ahead. So we'll enjoy it tonight. We'll watch the film tomorrow, make the correction, and then our focus will be on clear hurdle number five. Well, thank you, Coach, so much. Good luck and congratulations. Thank you. Guys, back up to you. And send it back here to Mac Rosenberg. Final here, 52-7. Fordham wins the Liberty Cup, and you can hear the bell next door. Mac, we send it across the street to you. All right, thanks a lot, Michael. And before we continue with the postgame show, this is for those of you listening to the game. On 90.7 FM, it's time for us to join Mixed Bag with Don McGee. However, we will continue with an extended post-game show. If you want to continue listening to that, please go to WFUVsports.org and click on Fordham Sports in the top right corner of the screen. Click on the appropriate link, and you can continue to hear the post-game show. Now we send you to Mixed Bag with Don McGee, already in progress. And we welcome you back here, WFUVsports.org. Mac Rosenberg with the extended post-game show, 52-7 Fordham with the win over Columbia. They retain the Liberty Cup, the 12th annual Liberty Cup. Fordham with the victory, 4-0 now, uh, the first time since 2007. Let's get to all the highlights. Of course, Fordham coming in at 3-0 and 
uh, into this game. The 21st-ranked team in FCS football, Columbia, uh, with their first game of the season, and it was a sellout this afternoon here on homecoming day. We'll pick it up early first quarter. The Rams, they would get the ball to begin. They'd get moving right along. Carlton Kuntz with a 25-yard run into Columbia territory, and they would end up with a fourth down and two right around the Columbia 19-yard line, and it was time for a field goal attempt from Mike Miranda. The snap is back. The ball is down. The kick is up. It's low. It's moving to the right. It is wide right. No good. And so Columbia able to force Fordham to a fourth and three and then force a missed field goal attempt by Mike Miranda. His first miss of the season goes wide right and the win played a role. And so it remained a scoreless game, 12 minutes to go in the first quarter. We got our first look then at Brett Nottingham, a quarterback uh, for Columbia, who transferred from Stanford uh, co- coming into this season. However, he would be sacked on second down, led to a three and out for the Lions. Fordham got the ball right back, and with good field position at their own 41-yard line, they'd be faced with a third and 14 from the Columbia 47-yard line. That's where we'd see the game's first turnover. Ebrick takes, drops back with time. Now he rushes up the middle, holds on to the ball at the line. He's stripped at midfield and dropping down on it at the 43-yard line of the Lions. And Niebrick's first fumble of the season, it remained a scoreless game with nine and a half to go in the first. The Rams defense once again with a huge sack of Nottingham. This time it was Brett Bistek, a 23-yard loss on second down, put them back in the shadow of of their own end zone, and you can probably guess they would be forced to punt. And right now I want to bring back the guys at Jack Coffey Field, Mike and Nick. And guys, we heard Coach Moore had just say it with Kelly. It was one of their big goals to pressure Nottingham, and they really started right away. How about that play? The 23-yard loss on second down. Well, you mentioned it, Mac, and, and right from the start, Dave Blackwell's strategy was to come out early and often, and, and we saw that for much of the first half, and we even saw it in the last quarter of the game. They continued to pressure Columbia's quarterback no matter what the situation was, and it was design blitzes, exotic blitz packages, cornerback blitzes. It was just coming from every direction, and that play was just a, the epitome of, of what Dave Blackwell's game plan was for the game. Yeah, and they, they just continued to send everybody. Like you said, Nick, uh, the Rams, they'd get it back for their third offensive possession. Michael Niebrick would look to the air, something that he's done quite a bit this season. A couple of completions to Brian Wetzel, to Bucky Jones got in the mix. That would set the Rams up inside the Columbia 25-yard line. A 16-yard screen pass to Carlton Kuntz down to the Columbia 8. And from there, C.J. would come once again. First down and goal for Fordham. They'll mark him out at the eight-yard line as he stepped out. Here's a give. Kuntz runs up the right side into the five. He walks into the end zone for the score. Touchdown, Fordham. And the Rams take a 6-0 lead midway through the first quarter. A nine-play, 80-yard drive, third touchdown of the season for Carlton Kuntz, and the Rams took a 7-0 lead, five minutes to go in the first quarter. Both teams would then trade possessions. Columbia would get the ball back. And finally, the Stanford transfer, he would let loose. A couple of completions to Ryan Flannery and Hamilton Garner. That would get Columbia into Fordham territory as the first quarter came to an end. Nottingham would continue with the aerial attack as the second period got underway. He hit Connor Nelligan all the way down to the Fordham 13-yard line. Jordan Chapman was caught there. He nearly had a hand on the football, could not uh, could not get the hand all the way on it to deflect the pass or intercept it. But on the very next play, he would have two hands on the football. First and 10, Columbia breaks the huddle. Moving left to right now towards Keating Hall. Three receivers to the left. Nelligan, Flannery, and Hollis. Trips left and a diamond on the left hash. Ball on the right hash. Taking the snap first and 10 from the 13. Throws up the left side towards the goal line. It's intercepted. And he did stay in bounds. 
Jordan Chapman, what a catch at the three-yard line. Fordham football. So Chapman with some redemption as the Rams force their first turnover of the day just a couple of seconds into that second quarter. I want to bring the guys back now because, Mike, I'll go to you on this one. Jordan Chapman, we know him as a very athletic cornerback. He's physical at times as well, but the knock on him is his size. We saw it on the very the play before it, and the next play he's able to get some redemption. Must have been nice. Yeah, he would have needed to, to climb quite the ladder to get to that first play. Right. But on the second one, the thing about Jordan Chapman is is he has more points. There's a special teams trophy, and the guy with the most tackles and plays wins this giant trophy. He leads the team in that. He, he does all the little things, and then, honestly, across from Ian Williams, he's so good in man-to-man coverage that they try and pick on Jordan Chapman, and they do stuff like this. Uh, yeah, they got him once, but they weren't going to get him twice. He cut in front of the route. Uh, Nick said at the time he telegraphed exactly where he was going to go, and uh, Jordan Chapman able to keep a foot in bounds. He's really come a long way the last two years, and, and I, I think a lot more people – should be singing his praises right now. And by the time the Patriot League season is over, I'd be shocked if he wasn't all-conference. He's playing really well right now. And you have to also consider the fact that this offense for Columbia was finally just starting to get going, but Chapman able to put an end to that. The Rams took over at their own three-yard line. Uh, they would get moving in a hurry, though. Six straight completions from Michael Niebrick. That would set them up at the Columbia 26, and the Rams would stall right there. But uh, Mike Mirando... Came on for another field goal attempt. Remember, he missed one early in this game, and let's see what would happen this time. Mike Mirando 0 for 1 on the day. Missed going the other direction. Now the wind moves right to left. All the flags blowing right to left. Sullivan snap is back. Ball down. Kick is up. It is good. 39 yards for Mike Mirando, and Fordham's lead extends now 10-0. Columbia 10-50 to go in the second quarter. Nothing, 10 nothing Fordham with 11 minutes to go before the half, 39-yard field goal uh, in the wind at Jack Coffey Field uh, from Mike Miranda, 14 plays, 70 yards on the drive. So the two squads, nothing doing offensively here. After that, they would trade scoreless drives. Columbia would get the ball back off a Fordham punt, and they would be at their own 12-yard line, and their running back is Marcoris Garrett, somebody who Joe Moore had in the postgame said that uh, he was someone who the Rams really wanted to key in on. Well, he would gain 35 yards on a couple of carries to get the Lions up to midfield. From there, Columbia just could not go anywhere. They kind of ran into their own way there, if you want to say that. They were called for a holding. Then they got a first down on a pass interference call against the Rams, but they would once again be backed up on a false start. The drive stalled from the 49-yard line and another Columbia punt. So this is really, as far as the first half goes, this drive would be a big turning point. The the chance for Fordham to break open this game at the half, about two minutes to go in the first half and leading 10 to nothing. Dan Light, he would make his first big impact on this game, 21-yard catch and run to the Fordham 47. Then Niebrick would get the Rams to the 29 of Columbia where he decided to take the team's final timeout, just 22 seconds to go in the first half. Uh, he then hit Brian Wetzel for 11 yards at the Lions' 18-yard line. Now, before we um, you know, give you what happened there, I want to bring the guys back because this was an interesting sequence. They decide to take the timeout at an interesting time, 22 seconds to go, uh, and they were, in, they were in field goal range at that point. And then they go to Wetzel on a play in the middle of the field. And I remember, Nick, you said it. Columbia was not guarding the middle of the field. They're guarding the lines there because that's where you figure Fordham's going to go with no timeouts. Your thoughts on that sequence there leading up uh, to the end of the half? 
Well, I, I think it, it's a tough call in terms of uh, it's easy for us to sit back and, and to judge what they decided to do in that situation. I guess it, it, they weren't lined up properly, so they, they called the timeout with 22 seconds. And me personally, I wouldn't have gone towards the middle of the field like Fordham did at the end. And, and I think it was a throw to, to Bucky Jones uh, right before right before that last two-second play where it was short of the end zone and Tabucky had no chance of going to the going to out of bounds to stop the clock. And and to me in that situation you have to throw the ball into the end zone to at least give yourself a chance to kick a field goal if you don't get if you get an incomplete pass. So in for my opinion I, I think it was probably mishandled uh, a little incorrectly but uh, you know it, it ended up not not being a big factor as we headed towards the end of the game. And so to un- to give you what happened there, two plays later, Nebrick finds Ajala down to the three. The clock runs out, but Fordham is given one more play, and we'll bring Mike in for this one because the chain gang, Mike, uh, you-, you-, you described it pretty clearly. The chain gang has to move the chains, so the clock therefore stops with two seconds, but Fordham cannot spike the ball and go for a field goal. They had to run a play there. Describe that whole sequence there, and then Nebrick, uh actually we'll play the highlight real quick. Here's what happened with Nebrick on that final play. Taking the snap, Niebrick back to throw. Rushes up the middle to the five. Inside the five to the far pylon, and he is short. He's short by two yards. So, Mike, your, your thoughts on that, because that was that was really some sequence there, the final few seconds. Yeah, that was probably more exciting than, than it probably was. I guess, I guess maybe <laughs> I was a little too strong on the highlight. Um, Look, there's a new rule instituted by the NCAA that we were told about at Patriot League Media Day. If there's less than three seconds to go and a half, you cannot spike the football without the runoff that would that would end the half. I don't know why that rule exists. I don't think it makes much sense. But Fordham could not get the ball. Technically, there are two seconds left in the chain gang. When they move, is uh, the, the clock stops for that amount of time. However... Uh, they couldn't spike it so they couldn't get Mirando on the field so now Niebrick has to do something it's disappointing because he came really close there but you look back to the play prior and you just wonder why the Rams allowed that to stay in bounds to begin with I don't think that uh, I believe it was Tabucky I don't think he could have gotten there but uh, to the sideline he was about between the hash and the number but it, you know, I thought that might be a turning point in a negative way, but I think Coach Moorhead uh, may have lit a fuse there and went into the locker room and, and uh, really turned the team around there. Well, at that point, it definitely seemed like a turning point. Uh, Fordham 10, Columbia nothing at the half. The Lions would start the third quarter with the football at their own 29. Very first play, Rams cornerback Marcus Fulmore would be called for a pass interference. A few plays later, though, the Lions would once again be forced to punt on fourth and one from the 47 of Fordham. Paul Delaney, he would punt to the uh, four, the one-yard line, a 46-yard punt to the one-yard line. To that point, that was probably the most productive play on offense for Columbia, if we're being honest about it. Uh, Fordham would get the ball, uh, but not, of course, in a spot that they wanted at their own one-yard line. But that was really no problem for Michael Niebrick. On first down, he hit Sam Ajala, 15-yard gain, and the Ram offense would get going from there. Two face mask penalties, plus a couple of completions to Dan Light and Kuntz. Put the Rams in business inside the Lions 40. However, a great run by Niebrick on first down would not end well. First and 10 from the 35, taking the snap, play action, run up the middle. Here goes Niebrick to the 25, moves to the near hash, falls loose at the 18-yard line, and it looks like Columbia's got it. So Columbia continued to hang around in this one thanks to another Fordham turnover. They began inside their own 20, but things would quickly turn back in Fordham's favor on second down. 
Garrett alone in the backfield, taking the snap. Back to throw under pressure. Balls loose in the end zone. Running up is Washington, and the Rams have it. Touchdown. Touchdown, Fordham. And so Brett Bestick with Fordham's first defensive touchdown of the season. I want to go back to you guys as the Rams led 17-0 at this point, 10 and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. And two-part question here. The, the, the Fordham defense all day long pressuring this quarterback, but what was it really about this Columbia offense? Why couldn't, why couldn't they get going in your eyes? Well, I, I think it really comes down to the pressure that Fordham was able to bring, and it was hitting home every time that they, they called up a blitz or they dialed up the pressure. Uh, on that particular play, what ended up happening was Fordham brought six, six defensive players, and, they, and uh, Columbia only had five guys to block it. So Ian Williams comes off totally unblocked and is able to get a free shot on uh, Nottingham, I think, was in at mm-hmm. this point in the game. And, and so that caused the fumble. And, and that really... Columbia really couldn't get going in that situation just because the quarterback couldn't get into any kind of rhythm or momentum when he's constantly on the run because of uh, the blitz pressure. Absolutely, and the Lions' offense from there continued to struggle. Matters were not made any better as the kickoff was returned to their own 8-yard line after a momentary fumble in the end zone. All seemed lost uh, when they were called for a false start on third down, but Nottingham who at times, it was interesting, he, he would make great throws at times in this game, and the, the rest of the time he just seemed lost out there. He was able to find Flannery on 3rd and 14 for 19 yards, and the Lions, uh, their first 3rd down conversion of the game. Two plays later, a 32-yard completion to Connor Nelligan would be brought back on an offensive holding, and uh, this, this really seemed to me where the momentum guys really started uh, to to inch to, to inch toward Fordham and really to stick, to, uh, you know, to, in Fordham's favor at this point. Yeah, I I, I agree with that, Mac. I think uh, really once that fumble occurred in the end zone, you you realized Columbia would need to play a perfect game the rest of the way to right. have any chance. That's that was disappointing in its own right for Lions fans, but to to have those penalties just absolutely kill your drive. Uh, really takes bad and makes it worse. I think that's where everyone kind of realized, okay, we aren't mentally in the game anymore. Right, and the Lions uh, would, would keep, actually, they would they would on that particular drive keep pitching their way forward. Even after the holding call, they were able to pick up the first down. At this point, they were at their own 46-yard line. On second down, Nottingham would make a dangerous throw. Three receivers set, one short side right, two to the left. Man in motion left to right is Hollis. Now he motions back to the left slot. Throw a quick right side. Popped into the air, intercepted. Out across midfield is LeVon Williams. Cuts back to his own 45. Now cuts into the near sideline at the 47-yard line of Fordham. LeVon Williams, another interception. And the Rams get the ball back. Third interception of the young season for LeVon Williams, and the Rams would take over on offense, looking to continue breaking this one open. They would work their way into Lion territory, and on second down and two from the 29-yard line, Michael Niebrick looked to make up for his earlier fumble. He would do that. Taking the snap, back to throw. Deep throw up the left side for Wetzel. Caught. Touchdown. Brian Wetzel for the score. 335 to go in the third quarter. And the Rams take a 23-0 lead with the extra point on the way. It's 
Crystal's team-leading fourth receiving score of the season, 24-0 Rams, three and a half to go in the third, and the blowout was on. The ugliest show that was the Columbia offense. That continued another stall drive deep in their own territory. Rams got it back and continued the offensive onslaught. Michael Niebrick with another scamper, but no fumble this time, a 37-yard run to the Columbia 13. Two plays later, it was back to the air and back to the end zone. It looks like pistols being shown by both of the players on the near side taking the snap throw up the deep right side caught in the end zone for the score to Bucky Jones for the Rams 15-yard touchdown Fordham takes a 30-0 lead with 45 seconds to go in the third so to Bucky Jones his first touchdown as a Fordham Ram I want to go back to you guys and particularly Mike on this one uh, because I know you're you're a big supporter of Tabucky Jones, uh, and he's a guy who actually led this team in receiving the first few games of the year. Hadn't gotten a touchdown yet, and this time he's able to get it. Yeah, and, and for Tabucky, initially they tried to get him on a lot of screens the first uh, week of the season, and he wasn't really able to do much, and we kind of wondered, okay, maybe he's not on the right page. Well, that, that was it. He's on the right page now. He's making a lot of nice catches over the middle of the field, and with him and Ajala on either side, really it's pick your poison. Go ahead, put your best corner on one. The other guy is going to beat you, and right there, to Bucky Jones, wide open in the end zone, made the nice catch, and uh, again, like you said, Mac, the route was on. Absolutely, it was, and it continued a little sooner than Columbia would have wanted as J.Q. Bowers, he ripped the ball right out of Trevor Bell's hands on the kickoff. Fordham took over at the Lions 15, and on the very first play of the drive... 37 seconds to go, third quarter, first and 10 for Fordham at the 15 of Columbia. Play action. Back to throw. Throws over the middle. Caught. Touchdown. Fordham. Brian Wetzel at the goal line. And Fordham's lead expands. 37-0 with 29 seconds to go in the third in the Fordham offense. Yet another big play. Wetzel's second score of the game. Second touchdown for Fordham in the span of 16 seconds. 38-0 Rams. And with that, Brett Nottingham's day under center for Columbia was done. Trevor McDonough would take over. And, Mike, after last week, I, I, I got to know that you were definitely prepared for a quarterback change right there. I was just wondering why we didn't <laughs> see a third match. <laughs> <laughs> so the third quarter would come to a close. The fourth quarter began the way many of the Lions' drives ended this afternoon with a punt. And at this point, you probably thought Joe Moorhead would pull his starters. Well, he pulled some of them. But Carlton Coons, he was still in the game. He let loose for 41 yards down to the one-yard line of Columbia. Then he punched it in for his second score of the game. And Fordham with the most points of any team in one game in Liberty Cup history with that touchdown. The Lions would once again punt. And Peter Matzold, he would take over under center for Fordham, his second appearance of the season. Remember, he played a little against URI. Kendall Piercy also into the game for Carlton Coons in the backfield. So from there... Matzold and company, they would milk the clock. He figured the Rams would be able to put the brakes on offensively a little bit and focus on running out the clock, right? Well, not really, because the Columbia Special Teams Unit would falter at the two-yard line. A botched punt recovered by Fordham from there. Piercy, he would punch it in for his second touchdown of the season, and that was with about seven minutes to go. The Lions, though, they would finally find pay dirt with their backup quarterback on their next drive. Receiver motion left to right, second and ten, play action, back to throw McDonough, throws, deep right end zone, caught in the end zone for the touchdown. Ryan Flannery puts them on the board, the Lions get a six with 3.27 to go in the fourth, and the extra point on the way. So Columbia would recover an onside kick after that, but obviously the game already well out of reach, they went four and out, and Fordham's offense would run out the clock to end this one. 
52-7 to the final score. Guys, we go right back to you, players of the game. Oh, well, for me, uh, from the Fordham side, it has to be Ian Williams. Uh, six unassisted tackles, two sacks, and two forced fumbles. I, I thought he had an outstanding game. Anytime there was a big defensive play, it was Ian Williams. That was the guy that was making it in coverage, sacking the quarterback, you name it, he did it. And then from the uh, Columbia side, there wasn't much to choose. So uh, I'm going to have to go with the guy that scored the only touchdown for them, and that's Ryan Flannery. He had uh, six receptions for 108 yards, and his long was 26 yards. He was just the uh, primary target for both of uh, Columbia's quarterbacks for the, throughout the entire day. He was the, the main receiver for them, so he gets my vote. Yeah, well, and Nick, I, I look, and for Fordham, I think Carlton Coons had an excellent game. He finishes with seven catches, 38 yards, 158 yards on 27 carries, a couple of touchdowns for him. Uh, six yards a carry. That that was his goal coming into the year. He felt he could do it with Nabrick with him in the backfield. And he had 5.9 here today. So a very nice performance on his part for Fordham. For Columbia, it, it's kind of tough to say. I think you put it well. It, it was uh, Marcoris Garrett, I think, was playing late into the game. Uh, really, I, I think they would have liked to have get him the, to got him the ball a little bit more. But the way the game went, not really a chance for him. Trevor McDonough is not a bad quarterback. I wouldn't be shocked. If he's the guy next week, he, he didn't make too many mistakes, but he also was doing it against the second-team Fordham defense. So it's really tough to say uh, whether or not you know the performance was keyed on playing against Fordham second-teamers or whether he, he just flat-out played better than Brett Nottingham. But I would say uh, the, the running backs, Carlton Kuntz and, and Marcoris Garrett, and for Fordham, 4-0, on to San Francis. Guys, uh, final thoughts before we let you go here. Well, I think Fordham passed a very important test today. And, and, and that is winning the games that you're supposed to win. And that, that is often di as difficult as winning the games you're not supposed to win. And they, had, they were coming off some two impressive weeks back-to-back. -back. And uh, coming into today, there was all this talk of it being a trap game, what to expect from Columbia. And so for them to go out and win the way they did is a huge step for this program. Yeah, and I agree. I, this team hasn't been ranked since 2007 when they won the Patriot League championship. They're 4-0 and now. They're ranked 21. They could go even higher in the polls this week. They go on to face an upstart St. Francis team in a week, and then you, you hope that you're 5-0 and going into the Lehigh game and, and you try and build some buzz, and I think the buzz was there today. It was a loud fan base. We haven't seen this in a long time here at, here at Fordham, whether it's basketball or football, everyone's starting to turn the corner and football leading the way. Uh, I think this was a very good game for Fordham. They beat a team they should have beaten. I think this was very good. Absolutely. Guys, thanks so much. Great call today, and we'll be in touch with you soon. Once again, the final score of today's game, Fordham 52, Columbia 7. The executive producer of Fordham football is Bob Ahrens. Producer of today's game has been Julian Antienza. Field engineer producer has been Eric Malo. Our studio engineer has been Bobby Gubin. Thanks to Fordham Sports Information Director Joe DeBarry and his staff for all of their assistance. Next Saturday, we've got more Fordham football action for you. The Rams head to Loretta, Pennsylvania to take on the St. Francis Red Flash. Kickoff comes your way at noon with a one-on-one -on -one pregame report at 11.50 a.m. on both 90.7 FM and WFUVsports.org. Until then, for Mike Watts, Nick Legerfo, Kelly Coltis on the sidelines, Sean Cohen with the updates, and highlight supervisors Anthony Pusick and Patrick Burns, this is Mac Rosenberg. Please have a good evening, everybody. Fordham Rams football is a production of WFUV Sports.